And we're going to go ahead and transition into our teaching time. So before Pastor Aaron comes up, we'll invite Heather up to read our scripture. Good morning. This is God's word from Colossians. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Amen. Thank you, Heather. Good morning, church family. You guys good? It's good to see you. If you're new, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, (laughs) uh, Hannah was talking about the craziness out there, the craziness in here. I had a few things this week, uh, personally, uh, i just share with you just so you can know, like, if you're feeling the struggle, you're not alone. Uh, we had a pretty busy week already planned with stuff related to the merger with Martha Lake. So I had a bunch of extra documents to create and things to write. And then we had a prayer meeting on Monday night. And as I was leaving the prayer meeting, I got in a car accident and it was a head-on collision. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Uh, but then they just, the other driver just left the scene. They just drove off. And so I was like, man, I would have loved to have talked to them about what they were doing. And, and then uh, we had a family vacation planned. So my wife was like leaving. I had to get her to the airport. And, and then uh, we, but we had a, a scare with her grandmother's health and with all the coronavirus stuff going around. And it's just pneumonia, fortunately, but she got to leave work early. And so I'm juggling kids to help her go see her grandmother. And then on Friday, maybe the scariest thing of all, my oldest daughter got her driver's permit. <laughs> Where are you, Mackenzie? She's in here somewhere. Oh, my goodness. Uh, So there was that. My heart rate elevated. And then on Friday afternoon, we got word from the Edmonds School District that we will no longer be able to use this facility starting next Sunday. They're shutting down all rentals. And I'll give you a little bit more update on that later. So it's just kind of been one of those weeks and, you know, you read that where we sang that line in the song about, you know, his, his presence in the storm. And really, at the end of the day, um, the, 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 not to be flippant about any troubles that we're going through, but the, the Word of God calls these things light and momentary afflictions. That one day, when we are in the presence of Christ face to face, We'll look back and chuckle. Remember, remember coronavirus? I mean, I don't, again, I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to make light of it. It is a serious health concern. But when we recognize that our God is eternal and we are invited into eternal life through Christ Jesus, it just helps put them into perspective a little bit. So, and, and also at the end of the day, you guys have heard me talk about how much I hated my car anyway, so I'm kind of glad to be done with it. So uh, with all that said, there's nothing more important than turning our attention to God and his word. We're finishing out a teaching series on Colossians. There's some really beautiful stuff in this passage. I think they'll be challenging and encouraging for us. So let's pray together as we go before God and his word. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity in the midst of whatever trials or storms of life, uh, an international health scare, um, personal things that each and all of us are, are dealing with to some level, Lord God, I pray that you would help us right now to lay aside those worries and those concerns. You'd help us to have hearts that are open and attentive to the truth of your word. And Lord, would you help me to teach only that which is in line with the truth of your word. And God, would you just let us even have peace and encouragement 
God, as we consider the instructions, the very practical instructions that are given to us in this section of Scripture, we love you, Lord Jesus. Please send your Holy Spirit to be present in our hearts and with us now. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. Amen. So I've been thinking a lot about the, the, the word connection. The word connection, in, in obviously in light of the situation you know, nationally, but in particular our region with the coronavirus. Yes, I'm going to talk about coronavirus. I'm sorry. I know it's like all that anybody's talking about at work and school, but I, you can't help it because this idea of connection, like experts, health experts are saying things like practice social distance. I'm like, well, Seattleites ought to be able to do that just fine, right? Uh, but like staying away from people or staying, you know, not passing the offering buckets, not handshaking, things like distancing. And, and as I've gone about my week, it's made me reevaluate things that I just kind of take for granted, things that I would do on any given week. You start to look at it differently. I was, I was, <laughs> I had, I was playing music at a wedding yesterday, another commitment that I'd gotten myself into. And, and I'm watching the way that like people, you know, weddings, like it should be like lots of hugs and handshakes and people are just kind of like, Hey, like, 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 like you may now elbow bump the bride. I don't know. Like it was just a lot of distance. And I, and I went to the grocery store and just people were acting different. And there was an employee like pulling out shopping cart and wiping down the handle with a Clorox wipe and putting it over there. And just, you know, how many dozens, hundreds of times you've just grabbed a shopping cart and never thought about the way that things get passed around. Germs get passed around. And I was thinking about it because there is really actually a connection in this passage. The idea of the lives that our life interacts with. Our lives are meant to be lived in the opposite of social distancing. God has created us as human beings in his image and likeness, and we are relational beings. And in this section, this concluding section of of, uh, Colossians, the Apostle Paul is going to offer instructions on how we interact our lives as believers with those who are not part of the community of faith. And then there's a long list of names that we didn't have Heather read. You're welcome. A long list of names about people uh, involved in the community of faith. And it just made me think about this idea of like, how we interact, but it, it, it has to start with connection with God. It made me think of this quote from C.S. Lewis, his book, Mere Christianity. He says this, he says, Christ is the son of God. And if we share in, in this kind of life, the, the new life that Jesus gives us, we shall also be sons of God. We shall love the father as he does and the Holy Ghost will arise in us. He came to this world and became a man in order to spread to other men the kind of life that he has by what I call the good infection. Every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. And so... We're all being invited to be mindful of our interactions as it relates to the, the, the potential spread of germs and the coronavirus. And uh, it's, it's kind of interesting here in this passage in God's providence that we are actually being called to be mindful of how we both receive the Christ life and then share it with others. We, let me show you what I mean. The, the, verse 2. Look where it starts, this, this concluding section. It says, Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. So let me just say this up front. If we are going to share with non-believers and with other Christians the kind of life that we're going to be talking about here, it must first start in our connection with the Lord. 
It must first start in our connection with the Lord. Are we abiding in Christ, and in particular, through the practice of prayer? Now, prayer, obviously, is the subject here. Look at the three descriptors about this prayer life. The first one is devotion. So I just ask you simply, when it comes to your prayer life, would the word devotion be an accurate description? Now, I don't say that to shame you. Please don't hear me. Like, all of us, I don't think there's a person in this room who would like to stand up and raise their hand and say, yes, I am as 100% devoted in my prayer life as Jesus. I don't think anybody would say they're perfect. I, I don't know about you. I have this particular battle. I have this battle where I want to pray before I jump in and start to do work. And it's, you know, like, I'm a pastor. I do, like, Jesus things a lot for work, okay? Um, But I have this battle almost every single day where I, I feel like, well, if I could just send off these few emails, then I would feel less burdened and stressed and I would want to pray. Like, you guys, you guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody else have that same battle? Instead, what I ought to do is I ought to say, I have so much work to get done, I have to pray first before I do anything else. And so I just invite you into that. Are, are, are we devoted to prayer? Is it what we spend our time on? Is it what we spend our, our mental energy on? Are we devoted to prayer and connection to God? And then is your prayer marked by alertness? Is your prayer marked by alertness? Uh, the idea here, the word alertness, the, the, the Greek word underneath it, throughout the New Testament is often tied to the return of Jesus. Watchful, stay alert, watch and pray, watch and, you know, uh, keep your lamps burning. Now, in this verse, the return of Jesus is not explicitly mentioned, but it's, it's possible, even likely, that it's, it's in the background of what Paul is talking about here. The idea that we have a limited amount of time on this earth, Jesus' return is imminent, and if he should tarry, our lives are, 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 are a short and fleeting thing, And the most important thing we could actually do is to pray. Lord, how would you want me to live? How would you want me to worship? How would you want me to serve? How would you want me to give in light of your coming return? And that we live our lives prayerfully with the end in mind. Friends, this world as it is, is not our ultimate home. One day Christ will return. The trumpet will sound and the skies will split open and the new Jerusalem will descend from heaven and God will make a new heavens and a new earth and we will be with him forever. In light of that, how ought we to pray and how ought we to live? Which leads me to the third element of this prayer is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Now, prayer, our prayer lives consist of a lot of different things. Uh, we we want to praise God, and we want to pray for others in intercession, and we want to, uh, you know, make petitions. Like, is it okay to make requests of God? Y- yeah, you, this is not a trick question, friends. Yes, let your petitions and your requests be made known to God. But here, the Apostle Paul is wanting to highlight the element of thankfulness, let me just ask for a show of hands. This is church, so you have to be honest. How many of you have ever found yourself 
little bit grumbly or complainy in the last week, okay? Right? So we are told to prioritize thankfulness. Thankfulness helps with a lot of things. I mean, I already described to you the kind of week that I've had and the stresses and the things and the, 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 there's just the pressures and all that sort of stuff. And at one point this week, I just started laughing because it's just so ridiculous. Like, there's just so many things. It's just as to be funny. And in that moment, God was gracious to me to remind me, like, I have a family that I love. I have a church family that I love. I have oxygen in my lungs and blood in my veins. All of life is such a gift, and we're just walking in just grace after grace after grace after grace. And how easy it is to forget. Amen? How easy it is to uh, move into a mindset of, I am owed something. I deserve something. Instead of just, what an amazing gift life is. Even with the hardships, even with the struggles, we are called to be prayerful, devoted, alert, and thankful. So let me just ask you, just for a quick moment, just pause, like, your prayer life. Again, I don't say any of this to shame you. I say this to challenge you and to invite you that if what we're about to talk about is going to be effective, it has to start with prayer. And actually, really, that's, that's the big idea that I want to make today. Before we start talking about interactions with others, God wants our interactions with others, both Christians and non-Christians, to be an overflow of our interaction with him. All the things I'm about to talk about can only happen if we are abiding in Christ, if we are drinking deeply of his living water, if we are being filled with his love and filled with his peace and filled with his grace, then we'll be able to go and actually interact with others. Okay, first group of people we're going to interact with is outsiders. Verse 3. At the same time, pray also for us. So while you're praying, pray for us, that God may open a door for us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. It's the gospel. We looked at this earlier in Colossians, the mystery of Christ, that God sent his son to live a perfect life, to die, to rise again, to offer forgiveness and redemption and and new life to all who would believe that, that Jew and Gentile, young and old, rich and poor, male and female are all brought together as one at the foot of the cross, the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I, that I may make it known as I should act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Okay, so our subject is very clearly outsiders, evangelism. And there are a few things that are, again, very practical instructions. The first one is this. We have to learn how to hold in tension God's sovereignty and our responsibility. Did you notice that he said, pray that God may open a door to us for the word? Who is the one opening the doors? God. Let me ask you this, Sound City Bible Church. This is one of those not trick questions coming up, so brace yourselves. Prepare accordingly. When it comes to sharing the gospel with people who are not yet believers in Jesus, can you save them? I was hoping for a more confident response. Let's, let's try this one more time. <laughs> Can you save someone? That was better. Good. 
God is the one who does the work of saving someone. He is the one that opens the doors. He is the one that transforms hearts. He is the one that changes people's lives. So we trust in God's sovereignty when it comes to salvation. At the same time, did you notice that Paul said, pray for me so that I may make it known as I should. Paul is saying, I want to do a good job of sharing the gospel. Do you see the tension there? God is the one that opens the doors and makes it happen, but I still want to do a good job of sharing the gospel. By the way, can you do a good job of sharing the gospel? You're on an elevator. You have five floors. The button has been pushed. The doors are closing and someone turns to you and is like, man, I just don't even know. Like, what, what is the gospel? I might, I might follow Jesus, but I just don't even know. Like, what is the gospel? The doors are closing. Tick, talk, tick. Well, you know, it's like, um, there, so there was King Herod and then the, you just failed. Like, you're done. You lost. You lost. Let me, let me say this to you. Your personal testimony is incredibly important, but the gospel is not about you. The gospel is about Jesus. His perfect life, his death on the cross, and his really important resurrection from the dead. Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose and he offers new life and forgiveness and uh, eternal life to all who will believe. That is the gospel. Now, your testimony of how Jesus got a hold of you and changed your life because of the gospel is important. That's another thing you should learn how to share, but your testimony is not the gospel. The gospel is the gospel. It's not about you. It's about Jesus, and it impacts you and gives you a personal testimony. You tracking with me? So I just encourage you, you know, this is a great thing in community group or, or somewhere to just honestly, like it might sound silly, practice it. How do you share the gospel? How do you talk about Jesus and what he has done for us? Our part is to make it known as we should, and God is the one, at the end of the day, that saves people. Now, here's some more of our part, okay? He says, uh, act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. In Greek, there's a couple of different words that are used for time. There's one that... um, um, Chronos, that means like just time, like passage of time. And then there's one that's kairos, which is more like, like the seasons or the opportunities. And, and that's the word that's here. So making the use of the time means what situation am I in? What opportunities do I have you know, to, to be able to share the gospel? So, so um, preparing this passage to teach today, I had a couple of opportunities where I know, I knew that I was going to be interacting with non-Christians. Some were going to be strangers, people I didn't know, and others uh, were people who I do know and care about quite a bit. And so the Lord, again, in his grace, he's using this passage. So I'm driving to where I'm going to go meet with one of these non-Christian friends of mine. And I was just praying, Lord, would you help me have an opportunity to share the gospel? Now, listen, we are not instructed to be manipulative, and we are also not instructed to, like, um, you know the phrase, Jesus juke? Like, just every conversation, oh, the Seahawks, you know, really, you know, I hope they can pick something up in free agency. Well, speaking of free agency, did you know that God calls us to, like, don't be weird, okay? Like, like just, but, but be watchful. Be looking for an opportunity. Make the best use of the time. I don't want 
to squander an opportunity that the Lord gives to me. So, act wisely towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. And then it says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Again, this is not a one-size-fits-all approach. You're not memorizing a script. Uh, you know, someone like the door-to-door type of faith sharing groups that like memorize the script as opposed to like actually knowing each person and, and interacting with them and their life and their questions and their personality. Let your speech always be gracious. Anybody think that our world could use a little bit more gracious speech? Watch your tongues. Watch your digital tongues. There's enough vitriol and nastiness in the world. The followers of Jesus. when, When we were enemies of God, Jesus came and spoke words of grace and love to us. So as we interact with people that we might even be very much in disagreement with, we are called to be gracious. We are not called to be baseball bat swinging Christians taking down the atheists. You're, you're called to be gracious to them. And your speech seasoned with salt. Uh, have you ever had a meal that was like lacking the r- appropriate amount of salt? Have you ever had, oh man, have you ever had unsalted cheese? Don't, it's an abomination in the book of Leviticus. Like it is, like cheese is maybe one of the top five evidences of the goodness of God. Like cheese is grand. I'm sorry for those of you who are lactose intolerant, but like, man, there are a lot of things I would give up before cheese. And when you eat cheese, it's, it's good. And if you've ever accidentally, like if you thought it was regular cheese and then found out it was unsalted cheese, like you are going, it is just a horrible, horrible experience, okay? And salt is, salt is one of those things where like, it makes you want more. And it's something that makes you thirsty for something else too. All I'm trying to say is, do the words that you say make the non-Christians in your life want what you have? Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. So when you interact with non-Christians, are you trusting in God's sovereignty? Hey, I can't save this person. I can't kick the door open. He has to open the door. And are you doing your part? Being wise in how you share the gospel, being gracious with your speech. What it is that you're offering to them is is tasty. It's delicious. It makes them want more. Okay, last group. The Christian brothers and sisters. So we get a long list. I am... there's, a, there's a, a pastor, he's a little bit older, and he's, uh, he's part of this like, uh, monthly pastor's fellowship in the area where I first met Pastor Jason from Martha Lake Baptist Church. And, and he's just one of those kind of older guys, and he just like, knows everybody and every church that, you know, in the entire region. It's, it's really encouraging to hear him talk, oh, this pastor, and he did this, and this church, that, and he's, he's just lived here for a long time. It's, this passage kind of reminds me of like I'm talking with, with Steve, my friend Steve. Listen to this. So, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, 
faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are and so that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. So Tychicus and Onesimus are the letter carriers going to the city of Colossae to deliver this. If you were here last week, you know that Onesimus is a runaway slave who is actually being sent back to be welcomed in, as it says, as one of you, as a dearly loved brother. And you'll also remember that Tychicus, uh, is called, he's called a fellow servant. The word there is doulos, which means slave. So Tychicus, the freedman, is called a slave, and Onesimus, the slave, is called a dearly loved brother. That's just some cool role reversal stuff right there. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark, Barnabas's cousin, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. A little more there I'm going to get into in a moment here. <laughs> but Mark, this is uh, John Mark, who uh, we understand wrote the Gospel of Mark. And so does Jesus, who is called Justice. Like, you know that that guy who's named Jesus, he had to have a second name. <laughs> he, had to, he had to be called something different. Like, hey, I'm Jesus. Oh, no, no, not that Jesus. I'm just, call me Justice. Poor guy. These alone of the circumcised are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, sends, uh, uh, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. Uh, we, we're pretty sure that this Epaphras is the one who actually planted the church in Colossae. For I testify about him that he works hard for you for those in Laodicea, and for those in Aeropolis. Luke, yep, Gospel of Luke, the dearly loved physician. This is the verse where we find out that he's a doctor. And Demas, send you greetings. And give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea, and to Nympha, and the church in her home. Isn't it interesting? Well, Nympha, I'll talk more about her in a moment, but it says this, after this letter's been read in your gathering, have it also read in the Church of Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So there's like a, a letter to the Laodiceans out there that was not uh, destined by God to become divinely inspired canonical scripture. Maybe someday in heaven we'll get to find out what was in that letter, but they're passing these letters back and forth. It's just interesting to think about that. And tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. Archippus, uh, Archippus is possibly the son of Philemon and his wife. You can read that about that in, in the first verses of Philemon. And some young guy who wants to be a, a minister. I'm going to just read these names. I want you to hear these names. Tychicus. Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark, Justice, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, Nympha, and Archippus. I love that the book of Colossians is not some sort of abstract theological treatise on the divinity of Christ. Paul and Timothy are writing to and with and about people who are part of the family of God. 
people who are known by name. People who are individuals. People who someday we'll get to meet in eternity. There's a lot that could be said about this, about this church community, but I want to I highlight three things that I think will be helpful for us. The first one is, this community is marked by deep love. Deep love. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother. Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother. Luke, the dearly loved physician. All of these people, it is such a community of love. Friends, I have, I have been a part of the church, you know, capital C church, for my entire life. And I can tell you that while Christians do get it wrong sometimes and there's heartache and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. When it's good, there's nothing like it. I have watched people bring meals for months at a time when someone in the community was sick. I have watched people bear their souls about things that they never wanted to ever tell anybody and to be met with love and grace and compassion. I have seen prisoners visited, so much so that this this particular individual had a record set of the most visitors at this prison because of the church community. I have seen Orphans adopted in. I have seen widows taken care of. I have seen the absolute best, and it's so good. Do you long to be a part of that? We're not talking about just just attending a worship gathering. This is important, but it's not the totality. We're talking about dearly loved people. There, there, there's some of you in here I don't really know very well. There's some of you in here I know pretty well. There's some of you, I, I, like you're dearly loved to me. I know there can be problems, but when it's good, it's so good. And, and this church community is marked by some genuine diversity. And I say genuine diversity, in our culture, when we use the word diversity, we are primarily talking about racial or ethnic diversity. And that's present here, but there's more than that. So, so we know that Tychicus, Onesimus, and Luke, we know from the book of Acts and other places that they are Gentiles. And we know that Aristarchus, Mark, and Yeshua, called Justice, were all Jews. He said they were of the circumcision. So here we've got Jew and Gentile together. And we know that uh, there is at least one woman named, her name is Nympha, and we know that she is wealthy because she hosts the church in her home. If you read about the Greco-Roman world of the time in the first century, one of the common ways that women would be involved in, in positions of leadership in the larger world, it's called a patron. Uh, a, a wealthy woman would be a patron and they would fund and they would support and they would host. You can read about a woman named Lydia who's a seller of purple cloth in the book of Acts. So we've got at least one wealthy woman and we've got Onesimus, a poor, has no rights slave. We've got uh, Archippus who's, who's 
young, possibly the son of Philemon, an up-and-coming, you know, Bible school student. He's probably got his shirt tucked into his khakis. He's ready to go. And then you've got some older, seasoned church planters, like, like um, uh, Epaphras. You've got married, obviously, husbands and wives, but Luke, church history tells us, we don't see it in the pages of the scripture, but church history tells us that Luke never married and he was single for all 84 years of his life. Did you know that? I did know that, and then I forgot it, and then I relearned it this week, which is kind of the fun part of having a leaky memory. <laughs> Get to relearn things sometimes. So here we see a community that is Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, male and female, young and old, single, married, all working together in love. And then, yes, this church community does have some heartache because the Bible is a very honest book. There's actually two names in this list. The first one is, as I mentioned, Mark, John Mark. If you know the story of John Mark, it says he's Barnabas' cousin, Paul and Barnabas were traveling missionary companions together. If you read in the book of Acts, uh, John Mark did not live up to something that he promised he would do. He actually abandoned them, didn't show up, and, and, and Barnabas, his cousin, he's, he's known as the encourager, his name means encourager, and Barnabas is all like, well, let's just forgive him, and let's bring him back in, and let's work with him. And Paul's a little bit more Paul, and said, no, I'm, I'm done with him. And, and it actually says in Acts chapter 15 that they had such a sharp disagreement that Paul and Barnabas parted company and no longer traveled together. It was a big fight over this guy, Mark. And you can see, as he says it, he says, um, you know, you've received some instructions about Mark, Barnabas's cousin. If he comes to you, welcome him. I don't want to read too much into it, but it sounds like there's a little bit of like, yeah, we'll see what happens with Mark. Good guy, but I don't know if he shows up. Maybe, I could be wrong on that, but it seems like there's something going on there. There's some heartache there. Oh, and there's, there's one more. It's a much deeper heartache. It's the name Demas. Colossians is one of the later books that Paul wrote. Most scholars agree that 2 Timothy is the last book that Paul wrote before his execution in Rome. In 2 Timothy 4, in this closing section, Paul mentions Demas again. He says, Demas has deserted me since he loved this present world. There's a heartache brewing in the pages of Colossians 4. I have friends people that I have known and loved dearly who have walked away from Jesus Christ. And there are other people within the community of faith that I love, but man, there's been some parting of company. If you walk with other Christians in community for any length of time, you're going to experience some heartache because did you know this? All other people are sinners. The only type of people that we're going to have within the Christian community are recovering sinners. Oh, and that includes you too. Let me say it to you this way. If you don't have any heartache around the community of faith, you might not be living closely enough. 
few weeks ago, we had the instruction to bear with one another. What does bear with one another mean? Put up with one another. Forgive one another. Love one another. It's a pretty realistic picture of the community of faith. Deep love, all sorts of different types of people, and yeah, some, some stepped on toes and some butting of heads. And then Paul concludes with these words, I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So let me just ask a couple of questions to, to wrap up not only this teaching, but this, this series. So many things that we could think about. So many things that could be in our, in our minds. But this is the, the last word, the, the parting shot that Paul gives. So my first question to you is related to prayer. Is, is relationship with God at the core of your life's priorities? Are you persisting in prayer? Are you devoted to prayer? Are you being watchful and thankful in prayer? Just how important is prayer in your life? Second question to just pause and reflect on. Are your interactions with those outside of the community of faith marked by trust in God and his sovereignty and wisdom and grace? Are you sharing something that's that's tasty, that's beautiful, that's delightful, that would, that would want them to come and to know this Savior. And then number three, do you long for church community marked by love and diversity, even though, yeah, there will be some heartache? Friends, when we were enemies of God, Jesus came from heaven to rescue and redeem us. When we were opposed to God, he showed us mercy and grace. May that news never get old to us. How good is our Savior? How good is our Jesus? And if we're being filled by him, by his love, by his grace, by his patience, by by his words, well, then that's going to change the way that we interact with people. uh, Friends, friends, I'm, I'm pleading with you to see yourself as a carrier of the Christ life, as a carrier of what C.S. Lewis called the good infection. So while everyone else in society is telling you to like, you know, not get infected, and that's good advice, you should not get infected, I believe in that. I'm saying get infected with the Christ life and share it. Share it with everyone around you. Those non-Christians that God has placed in your life and the, the Christian community, what a beautiful opportunity we have. At the end of the day, it really is just as simple as that. Connection with God, sharing the gospel with outsiders, deep love and connection with the community of faith. It's as simple as that. So let's go before our Lord now in prayer and the Lord's table and singing. God, we come to you now. We place our worries in your hands. We place our concerns in your hands. We place our very lives in your hands. Lord God, would you forgive us for those times where we are not drinking deeply of you, And Lord, it shows in our relationships. It shows in how we treat others. So would you forgive us for that? And God, even now as we come to the table to eat and to drink 
And we come to to lift our voices in song and in prayer. Lord Jesus, would you fill us anew? Would you fill us up with connection to you so that we can go love those who are our brothers and sisters in faith and so we can share the gospel with grace with those who have yet to trust in Jesus. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you are here with us. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. Amen. Good morning, friends. Good to see all of you. Well, for those of us who God has, by his grace, saved and drawn into a life of devotion with him, this is the time where we get to share a meal together. We get to share communion together. And so if you grabbed the elements when you walked in the room, I'd encourage you to go ahead and open those up and uh, get ready. But I'd also encourage you not to take them yet, but to hold on a minute while we remember again the Apostle Paul's retelling of Jesus' instructions to his disciples about this memorial meal, about the Lord's Supper. So this is the word of the Lord from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, herself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Familiar words, right? We hear them most weeks around here. And yet Paul is wanting to remind all of us that we are to truly pause that we're to truly examine ourselves before we receive the Lord's Supper together. And he's reminding us that if we fail to do this before we take the Lord's Supper, then we're showing contempt. We're showing disrespect. That's what it means to be guilty uh, if we're to do this in an inappropriate way. We're showing contempt and disrespect for the life that Jesus has called us to and for the sacrifice that he made for us. So as the band plays here in a second, I want to encourage you to just spend a moment in silent prayer, examining your hearts, thinking about the sacrifice that he made for you and for me, and maybe considering for a moment while you're praying how God would have you respond to what you've heard today about the connection and devotion to God that we're called to, about the connection and uh, relationship we're called to have with those outside of the faith, and about the connection and care that we're to have for the family of faith. So take a moment now, and then after you're done praying, the band will bring us out of that. And when you're ready, whenever you're ready throughout this process, go ahead and eat and drink of the cup.